One of my favorite things to watch is someone who goes in the direction of health. Why? Because it's so hard to do, but so beautiful to see God work through people in ways that they normally don't want to do, but when they do it and they follow his lead, it's truly amazing. So join me today as we see a type seven really press into hard places, but bring such beauty and joy and radiance through the resilience of her personality type. Hey everyone, welcome to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. I'm Beth McCord, your Enneagram Coach. And at YEC, we are here to help to bring lasting and transformative change in your life and your relationships. And we do that by training incredible Enneagram coaches. Now, if you're someone that's like, man, Beth, I have loved the Enneagram. It has transformed my life. I want to see other people transformed. I want to be a part of it. Well, becoming an Enneagram coach would be perfect for you. We suggest that you get our free mini course at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mini course. But you also might be like, eh, I'm not quite there, but man, an Enneagram coach could really help me to understand myself better and to help me to move from a place of being stuck to actually transformation. Well, then go get your own incredible Enneagram coach at myenneagramcoach.com. That's myenneagramcoach.com. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, we ask that you like, subscribe, and put a review so that others can find us as well. Now, today, I have an special guest for you, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Okay, with that, I'd love to dive into this episode and introduce you to a very special guest and a dear friend of mine, Shanara Williamson. Now, Shanara is an empty nester, a podcaster, and a certified Enneagram coach. Yes, you heard that right. She is certified with us at Your Enneagram Coach, and she hosts the podcast Brown Mama Bear, which is all about raising black and brown children in America. She specifically wants to help parents to navigate predominantly where white in white schools and neighborhoods, and Shanara, being a type seven, does such an excellent job in this area. She brings it uh, this really complicated uh, message and this hard message in a really fun way. So I can't wait for you guys to hear more from her. Now, her and her husband, Jim, who is a type five, have been married for 29 years and they live really close near to us in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. So we've actually had them come over and had dinner with us and had such a great time. And actually, we went down to downtown Franklin, her and I, and we had some really yummy food at this incredible Italian restaurant. Anyway, with that being said, let me bring her on. Shanara, it is so great seeing you again. Hey, Beth. It's so good being with you. Yeah. Do you remember us eating at that amazing Italian oh, restaurant? Yes. Yeah. It is so good. I can't uh, pronounce it because it's an authentic Italian restaurant, but right. we just say that one and the whole family knows what we're talking Everybody about. Everybody knows. Yeah. So if you just look up Italian restaurant, downtown Franklin, you should be able to find it. Yeah. Everything about it was amazing. Like, I think it was, um, let's see, was it, they they had this uh, appetizer and wasn't it like, oh, it was, it was homemade ricotta cheese. That's what it was. It was, they made it there. It was uh, amazing. Okay. So anyone that is in the Franklin area. I remember, I remember Mm -hmm. the Brussels sprouts. (laughs) And their pizza is amazing. And it's like wood fire. I mean, it's just, it's authentic. It's great. Um, So we had a really fun time getting together. Yes. So I would love for our listeners to just know more about you because you have really 
I'm one, I'm just so proud of the work that you've done. You know, I, you came over Thank to our you. house, we had dinner, Jim, you came over and you were talking about your passions and your vision, but this is before everything really got started. And then I've been able to watch kind of like, you know, from the cheering section, watching <laughs> you launch your podcast and kind of see what's going on, but tell everyone like, what, where's your passion? What are you doing? And what do you want them to know about what you offer? Well, thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, I told you when it was still just this idea that I wasn't sure I could actually pull it off, but I was ready to just go ahead and try it. Um, so I've been doing the podcast Brown Mama Bear for over a hundred episodes now. So I'm kind of well into it, um, the past couple of years. And what I really know is that after my youngest one went to college, I looked back on the experience of raising three African-American daughters in Williamson County, Tennessee, and I realized that part of what made it so difficult was this issue of race. Hmm. And there were things that, you know, all of all of the people that I know of who, who are in this um, same situation, we all kind of recognize that this isn't a negotiable thing. Like mm -hmm. it's going to be there. We're going to have to figure it out. So it's not like I was surprised by it, but it was more difficult than it needed to be. Mm. And I kept thinking, what can I do to now be the guide and help somebody else navigate through um, and just have at least um, an experience where they don't feel alone through it. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I I launched the podcast. Uh, I very quickly gathered a team of women locally who I could just connect with. I could say, here, listen to this. Did it sound, how did that land for you? Mm -hmm. And then from that, we decided we would, we would do some um, in-person events. And so just to have this feeling of connect, connectedness um, mm -hmm. right away felt really good as well. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So tell us a little bit more about the podcast. Like what, what are you guys aiming for? What are you hoping? Cause I know that you're wanting to be the guide, but a guide in what? And, and also for those that aren't living in our Williamson County area, what is Williamson County? Because there's a lot of people that are listening, let's say around the country that are in similar spots. What, what is it that you're helping them navigate? Yeah. Well, um, I really believe all children deserve to be seen, celebrated, and given the tools to succeed, like off the bat. All, all kids should have that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen uh, as automatically when it comes to Black and brown children in America. And so in the U.S., the way race has just infiltrated the way we do life is that we have these... Um, biases that happen. And so they are put upon our children, even when um, grownups don't realize that they're doing it. So it's even before um, teachers have any understanding of what's going on. Sometimes they are looking at our children and placing a bias on them. Mm -hmm. Well, that creates extra work for the parents to have to do, um, extra work for us to make sure that we're protecting our children from the harm of that externally and then providing something on the inside of them and inside of our home. So what I'm really trying to do is to create an environment where I am cheering other parents along while I'm also helping to put tools in their toolbox to create this sense of a positive racial identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I really believe that when 
children know who they are, it changes the game. It yeah. changes the game. For me, spiritually, to know who I am, culturally, to know, just to be comfortable in who God has created me to be. When when that is in place, <laughs> there's no stopping, you know? So yeah. it's like, okay, ready to go. Let's go. Yeah. And, and it's from that sense of, I know I'm loved. I know I'm loved by God. Therefore, I can walk into the room like he sent me there. Mm. Because I know he has put me in a people group that originated on the continent of Africa. I can walk into any room. Um, and even though there may be a bias against that, some kind of an anti-Black bias against it, I know that it was created wonderfully and beautifully. Therefore, I'm going to step into that and be mm -hmm. all of who I'm supposed to be. And so it's kind of difficult when you're raising children because it's easier for them to take cues from what's going on and shrink back. Hmm. I want to help parents go, uh-uh, go forward, go for, go all the way in, babe, go all the way in. And, and the room should change when our children fully express themselves and fully walk into a space. Hmm. That's amazing. Okay. So with that, because here's what I love is I feel the energy of seven, <laughs> but let's be honest, you're stepping into a really hard, difficult, trying space, which most sevens are like, I'm hightailing it out of here. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I don't, I don't want the hard, I don't want the challenge. I just want the fun. But what, what's so amazing about sevens is that you, when you're healthy, you're able to be in those hard spaces, you're able to engage with what would feel uncomfortable because the outcome, like what's coming is so beautiful. Yeah. So I would love, I'd love for you to describe the challenge of being a seven and entering this space, but also where have you seen God really help you to shine forth to, to really kind of spearhead this for a whole new community? That is so fun that you would even mention that. It, one of the things that happened when I first found out my Enneagram number was I felt like that one part of it, of being a seven, that most sevens don't like sitting in that space. I didn't think that fit me. Mm -hmm. I kept saying, oh, that's not true. Now, my children, on the other hand... <laughs> They told me that there are definitely times when I um, move quickly from things that are uncomfortable. So mm. I, I was unaware <laughs> that, that that happened. But I think that for me, um, there is this, the the way that I was raised as, as a Black American was also in predominantly white schools mm. um, and a predominantly white neighborhood. My parents grew up in the segregated South. And mm. so when they had opportunity to get me into good schools, they did it. And so that is what caused us to live where we lived. We're mm. trying to do better, <laughs> get into mm -hmm. better places. And so it placed me in this environment that my parents just had no ability mm. um, from their experience to help me manage that. Now they did an amazing job. Let me tell you, they made sure we had black history books at, at home. I had comic books that told me about like uh, Charles Drew. And I, I remember those types of things. Um, so they did this really good job of helping me feel that my blackness was not a mistake. Mm. 
Um, yet when I went to school, that was the message I heard. I actually, on the playground in first grade, had a little boy tell me that I was a mistake because I was black. Use those words. And it was as the butt of a joke. He said, do you know why your skin is darker than ours? Because when God made you, he made a mistake and left you in the oven too long. Now, my parents are on this one side doing a great job at home. But when you're seven and you're being called racial epithets and you're hearing that, it, it messes with your sense of self. Yeah. So I had that from first grade, you know, on um, until I went to college. So I feel like I understand at least that aspect of it experientially that my children were going through. But then every generation is different. So it got ratcheted up to a a different level when we moved to the South, when we moved to Williamson County. Franklin was the last battle of the Civil War. And there are people to this day who love holding on to um, relics of the Confederacy and honoring them and somehow thinking um, mistakenly that that is the way to honor our history and not recognizing that we are taking um, falsehoods and prepping those I'm propping those up. So with all of that being said, I had a measure of understanding of some of what it feels like to be one of few or one of the onlys, but every generation is different and every environment is different. So I don't know exactly what my kids went through. Um, and at the same time, I knew that I needed to do something um, to protect their self, their sense of self. Yeah. I didn't want them to lose that. Yeah. And so from your experiences and and all the things that you did, you're now moving into the space as mentor, as guide for those that are now. Yeah. That's so special. Oh, Um, it is everything that, uh, this is why I love it. I love it because I feel like the painful things that we went through as a family now have purpose. hmm. And so if I just went through that pain and there was no purpose, then I mean, as a seven, I'm left at that point. Right. Um, But if I have a purpose for it, then I'm willing to go through the difficult things. Um, I'm willing to not shrink back and to, I don't know, borrow some of those other numbers, you know, borrow a little bit of an eight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, borrow some of a nine really, and learn how to be, um, more of an ambassador when I go into spaces and think through how's, you know, how is this landing on everyone's ears? Um, I, I'm borrowing from a little bit of every number, I think, um, as I'm saying, I think that's when when we're our best. I mean, God created us to be our type, which is great. You know, we want, we want to showcase the, the beautiful qualities that that has. And at the same time, the beautiful qualities of all the other eight types, you know, that, that they all, can benefit us. And I love that. Um, so one thing I wanted to highlight that I saw that you had sent us was that you're not just helping guide those that are, um, raising Brown and black children, especially in a white community, but you're helping women like me that are (laughs) white, that, that what, how do we have this conversation with our children 
about race, you know, because we don't really talk about it because um, sadly, it's not a topic that we kind of have to talk about, right? Yeah. Like we don't, like, I remember uh, Chris Williamson um, is one of, you know, our dear friends mm-hmm. and the things that he has had to talk to his children, especially his sons. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, that has never crossed my mind, yeah. you know, as a white woman in Williamson County, those are things that never have entered my mind. And that makes me so sad that I was unaware. And yeah. So, you, but you're taking another step in creating something for women like me to have conversations with our kids so that we can have this, this dialogue, this conversation, because they too are going into the world with the messages from the school systems, from our environment, and they're then replicating it as well. So tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in that space. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I realized when I first started when I created Brown Mama Bear is I wanted to make sure that it was authentically um, a space for African-American and um, other uh, racial minorities to come to and not feel like they had to explain themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, could there be a place where we do not have to explain ourselves? And so that's what it has been. After doing that for a couple of years, um, one of the things that I know that I can do to also continue to serve that group of women is to also take it off their plate even one more time to have to explain. And so as the guide, as the empty nester, if I could say, hey, here's a resource that you can give to your friends who want to be allies so that mm. it frees you up. You don't have to have that conversation right now. That's really what it is. So I feel like... um, it was really important for me to center my work, center everything I'm doing around um, black and brown mothers because not much centers them. Sure. And so even this is centering them in that mm. because it is a way of saying, um, send your friends to this resource and, yeah. and then then you're free. Um, and so within the resource, one of the things I'm working in it, it's not complete yet. So I'm, I am still, it, it's a difficult thing to actually produce, but um, I'm trying to have it done by the summer. One of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure that I was answering this question of what, why we're so divided. Yeah. Um, I keep hearing people say, we live in such a divided world. It's so divided. And I, I don't know that I'm feeling it as much as my white friends are feeling it because I've mm. always felt that it was divided. <laughs> this isn't new. This doesn't yeah. feel extremely new to me. Mm. What feels new is that the quiet parts are being said out loud. And so, um, you know, I think around 2016, 2015, 2016 is when we started to hear um, public figures say things that were very racist out loud and not be very um, uh, shamed by that at all. And and so with that, I think that's the new part. And so for me, I really want to say I don't think the onus needs to be on um, black and brown people to always shoulder the burden of what do we need to do to come together. And as my children were in predominantly white schools, 
And just parenthetically, another thing that I'm realizing is that um, a lot of people who listen to my podcast also are in other parts of the country where they could be in predominantly Black schools. They could be in um, a suburb of Chicago or Atlanta or D.C., and they're, they're not experiencing it in the same way. But they're still in the U.S. And mm. so this idea of the way race has been treated in the U.S. still does affect us. And once your kids step outside of the cocoon of that environment uh, in Prince George's County, Maryland or Atlanta, when, the minute they step out of that, they face it. So mm. we still have to deal with it. Um, so get back to uh, what I was saying about uh, creating this resource. So, So one of the things I wanted to make sure is that uh, we're looking at what is what will it take for us to really see um, our country not be so divided? And mm-hmm. if it's not always on the black and brown people to figure that out or to come up with something, um, I just want to really put the onus also on others to be thinking about that as well. And I think white Americans need to consider oftentimes what is it that they could do? in order to create that. So when I was raising my kids in these predominantly white schools, um, there was always this idea of kind of the normal way to do things, (laughs) the way things are done at school. And then it was their way. Uh, The normal thing was that everyone listened to Taylor Swift when my kids were in middle school. Well, that wasn't what we were listening to at home. Now, my kids needed to know that music so that they understood what was happening in the context of that culture in the school. But we were listening to R&B in my home. We were listening to Chris Brown. We were listening to, you know. And so when they would go to school and um, the music that we were listening to in our home was deemed as different than normal Um, my kids had to realize that, oh, that's what that looks like. That's Mm. what that means. And so if we could just even shift something like that, what is normative? Yeah. I think that that would be helpful for white parents to also think that through and what role do they play in helping us have a more united America versus a more divided one. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Um, Now, I kind of want to shift it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I want, because you're an Enneagram expert, you're a certified Enneagram coach. And so you're doing all of this work and you're doing Enneagram coaching work and speaking on the Enneagram. How, how does that play out for you? And what does that look like? Where's your passion with the Enneagram, kind of how does that spill forth into the things that you're doing, whether in this space or just in the space in general? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts 
to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. It's so funny when I uh, went through the Enneagram training, it was uh, right before I was starting the podcast and I was asking myself the same question. <laughs> like, how do these two things go together? And what I really believe is that learning more about the Enneagram really helped me open up this gift that I believe God gave me in terms of how he created me, how he wired me. And so as I'm opening it up and getting to know who I am and getting comfortable with that, <laughs> like, like there were so many times when I was growing up, um, my parents used to call me mouth almighty and we'd be, in, I'd be in the backseat of the cars. We we're driving around somewhere and they were, I could almost feel their eyeballs rolling. Like, and I couldn't help myself. I was just talking. I was, <laughs> um, I know now that while I do need some self-control and I don't need to dominate the conversation, all of that kind of stuff, I also know that some of that was part of how God wired me. Yeah. And um, some of the, I'm just excited to be with people and I'm excited for this experience that we're about to have. It's, it's all part of who he made me to be. So as I unpack that and I stop shrinking back, it really goes hand in hand with the work that I have done um, to heal some of the wounds that came from racism in my life. Mm. Um, the wounding that happened around race for me was this feeling that I needed to shut some things down and not be so extra, you know, be a little quieter. Um, it, and uh, dare I say, <laughs> even mousy, to be a good woman. Right. Um, that never fit me. That <laughs> never, it just, it's like I'm wearing somebody else's pantyhose. Like, you know, and like, it just doesn't work. It does yeah. not work. So as I'm learning how to be fully me and fully everything God created me to be, I think that I'm being a good reflection of gratefulness to him yeah. when I show up the way he made me to be. So that's yeah. a seven. That's black. That's a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> a, fun. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. And so I, um, especially as I was raising daughters, I wanted them to feel comfortable in their own skin. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to learn how to advocate for themselves in a way that like when they needed to speak up um, about something that, that had gone wrong, that they would fully walk into it. Not like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I have a daughter right now who's a senior in college. She called me um, because she was having this math uh, teacher who just in the grading, like a couple things were not right. And she needed to advocate for herself. And I saw a little bit of that that would happen sometimes in high school of her like, oh, I don't want to make waves. And I was like, go do it. <laughs> like, like, you know that there's something wrong right now. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, someone else had the same answer she did on an exam. Hers got marked wrong and that person's got marked right. I said, that's a that's a mistake on the teacher's part. She's at Howard University. So race has been neutralized. Mm-hmm. And that's a lovely thing for her for these four years. But what I'm saying is the teacher made a mistake. And so yeah. you need to go advocate for yourself. We had this long history of years that she had to learn how to advocate for herself. Mm-hmm. And so shrinking back is something that happened for me and for my daughters when when we experienced racism. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that that was our response to it often. Yeah. Um, and so as I heal from that, I learn who I am. And so for me, the Enneagram has been a tool in the toolbox to figure out how I can fully be all of who God created me to be. And so instead of me using it as like, how do I figure out who my kid is so I can fix them? (laughs) It's been for me as a parent to figure out, okay, because I am a seven, I tend to be the kind of parent who when my kids were younger, I made a um, impromptu field trip out of a lot of things. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Woohoo, let's do that. Yeah. But I had to put a lot of constraints on myself just mm-hmm. to make sure that infants got fed. Like, <laughs> I am so, you know, fly by the seat of your pants that if I didn't put constraints on me, you know, those things wouldn't have happened. And so mm-hmm. learning about myself helped me to then figure out, oh, And I wish I would have known that when my kids were younger, you know, because it would have helped me in the parenting process. Well, and so you're married to a type five. Oh my gosh. Yes. Which (laughs) is like the complete opposite in so many ways. (laughs) So many. And so how did the Enneagram help you guys understand each other and your marriage? And like, yeah, how has that been a helpful dynamic, maybe a frustrating dynamic, all of it in between? Well, if I understood that learning more about the Enneagram was me unpacking the present that God gave me in my life, it also meant that I'm unpacking the present that he gave me in my spouse's life. Yeah. Um, before understanding the Enneagram, I used to think because he was different than me, like this was a, oh, you know, and and literally if you were just more like me, things would be better. <laughs> right. But now as think, every spouse has said yes. ever. <laughs> yes. Because I mean, I wouldn't do it this way if I didn't think it was the right way. Right. Um, so it's just been really good to shift my mindset instead of, mm. because we are so different, instead of saying something's wrong with him because he researches the heck out of everything <laughs> before we make a purchase. I'm like, okay, what is the gift in that? Um, mm-hmm. The gift in that is you know, a lot of times he saved us from buying a lemon of a car because he did do a whole bunch of research or um, even if it didn't do anything, it's just who he is. And if I'm really going to accept my spouse for who he is, there's some things that just, it's not a moral failure that it's different than me. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. I love that because I loved when you guys were over here for dinner and like just seeing the the difference between you two and at the same time, the incredible, beautiful blending of yeah. your guys' love. Like it was a like it's both there. Yeah. And 
I think that that is, that's the beauty that God gives to marriages that are constantly striving to know each other and love each other for who they are, but also be who you are, right? You know, and how God has created you to be. And it's always going to be a process. And yeah. Um, and so what's it been like? So you're now on this new adventure, you know, um, with the podcast and all the things that you're doing. How has that been for Jim to kind of watch you? Because I'm sure there's a lot of things that you're doing are like, well, let me just try this or let's try that or let's do this. And but then he probably comes alongside and gives you some maybe some thoughts or advice or researches something. So how has that worked for you guys in, in starting this new adventure? Well, it's been really fun because. I am watching my husband cheer me on and something new. And I'm not surprised by that because he's always um, valued my intellect or, or my tenacity or my hard work. Like I've always felt supported in that way, but to see something brand new that we don't know where it's going Mm -hmm. and to just kind of be like, I'm just going to throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what happens. Um, to watch him support that has been really fun because he's not a spaghetti throwing at the wall kind of guy. Right. No, um, no. And so, um, but the flip of that is that I knew, especially after so many years of putting my career on hold as I was raising children, I knew that I wanted this to be a business as well. And so, yeah. you know, um, just trying to figure that piece out. Um, It's, it's been interesting. There are times my husband is a business coach and he helps small businesses and he, he's amazing at that job, you know? And so he's helping people with all of the strategy for, you know, doing what they need to do in order for their businesses to work. Um, And so sometimes he'll say to me, um, do you want to hear what I have to say as a business coach or do you just want to hear what I have to say as a husband? And that question has been really helpful because there've been a lot of times when I know that he has some great advice as business, but I want to make sure that I'm true to what I want to do that I say, no, I don't want that right now. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, it sounds so familiar. Um, Okay. So moving forward with all that you have going on, what are your favorite things to do? So do you speak? Do you coach? Like, so what are all the things besides just the podcast, which is amazing. Everyone's got to go listen to it. Where are you at and where do you want to keep moving forward? Well, in 2024, there's so many fun things happening. Oh, this year is our 30th anniversary, uh, our wedding anniversary. So 33 decades being married is like, oh my gosh. Um, But 2024, I keep saying, it's my year, it's my year, it's my year. Um, I get to do some things that I just love. And one of them is speaking. And Mm. um, for so many years, I thought it was, (sighs) what do I say? Just the wrong thing to say, Mm. I enjoy this. Like I kept thinking that that was something arrogant about that. But Mm. now that I've unpacked like, who God created me to be the little kid who used to sit in the back of the car and talk my parents ear off. Like there's something <laughs> to be said for someone who actually enjoys getting up yeah. in front of people and presenting ideas. And so I'm fully owning that this year. I um, I'm doing more speaking engagements and people can book me to speak by going to Shanara Um, And you can find out 
anything you need to there. Um, I also have been doing some hosting. So I host as the MC for um, a couple of conferences at the end of last year. That was so much fun to do. Oh, so, you'd be great at that. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's a lot like, of fun. Please, MC. <laughs> <laughs> and what I loved about MCing was that um, both conferences, they had a segment of doing Q and A. And I felt like it felt like podcasting, you know, mm -hmm. like I got to ask questions and it was just a lot of fun. So yeah. um, speaking, emceeing events, you can go to ShaneraWilliamson.com for that. Um, Brown Mama Bear is the podcast. I'm anywhere podcasts can be found, Apple, Spotify. Um, and then my website is brownmamabear.com. You can listen to the podcast there as well. and can find out more about what I'm doing. Um, I've got a free resource there. I'm going to put some more things up, especially around just helping um, to make sure that your kids have mm -hmm. what they need. Like, you know, what do you do when your kid is called the N-word in school? Yeah. Like, it's happened to me before, um, both as a child and as a parent. So I have something to say about that. Um, not because I want to, and, and this is a thing that I think I was so afraid to actually step out and and say, I'm speaking up about this, because I thought people would look at that and think that I wanted children to see themselves as victims. Mm. It's exactly the opposite. I want to make sure that they know that the problem doesn't lie within them. Yeah. The problem is out there, but how do we help them deal with it? How do we help them be resilient? And the way that we do it is by naming what is wrong. Racism is wrong. Mm. We name it. And then we're really clear on what it looks like in different forms that it can take. And then we help our children to be able to um, not only identify it, but speak directly to it in their own voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I am just so excited about all the things that are coming, like the course that you're going to give to women like me who yes. totally need it. <laughs> and, and then the speaking, the emceeing, coaching. Yes, still Enneagram coaching as well. Um, I, I One of the things I loved um, about a recent engagement that I did, it was with a small team of people who work at a nonprofit and half of the women were white, half of the women were black and the black women showed up differently at work than the white women did. And so as we were doing this Enneagram training, because I know that and I come with that language, um, the way that I describe it to a lot of people, it's like this book that I, a picture book I used to have with my kids when they were little. You may have had something like this. Um, there's a picture on it. And then uh, like it was a picture of an elephant, I believe. Well, then there was a red piece of film that you could put over it and it changed it a little bit. Then you could put like a yellow piece over it and then it looks a little differently, has more depth to it. The colors kind of blend together and, and it's the same image, but it has um, different nuances to it based on the color film you put over it. Well, I think all of us who live in the U.S., have a picture of what it looks like to have different people groups live here. But based on your experience, there's a different film you put over that. And so these Black women were showing up at work a certain way. And so one may have been an Enneagram 3 and she's an achiever. Yes, but she's also a Black woman. Mm. And, and there is something about the way that we um, show up or don't fully show up in a professional environment like that, that we can't always, or we don't always feel the freedom to bring the vulnerability in. Um, and so many of us might look like threes who aren't because 
achievement is something that we're striving for, we know that you have to sometimes um, be twice as good just to be seen as as equal. Mm -hmm. So you could look like a three, even when you're not, Um, or you could be an eight, but you're aware of the fact that someone might call you an angry black woman. So you, you tone something down, you tamp it down, and then you don't bring all your genius to the table and the team loses out when that happens. Yeah. So those were things that I brought into the Enneagram training for the team, because I was like, Yes, she's a five, but she's also a black woman. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or probably if they are mistyping because mm. they've had to show up a certain way. Yeah. And then, but who, who are they really authentically and how can we help them to be their full self? Just like you said, like with your own story, like I'm a seven and I've had to unpack my story so I can be the fullest part of my seven. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I love that you can enter that space with, so it's, such grace and warmth and also just resilience and, but also fun. It's kind of like you're able as a seven to mix all of those things together to bring out this beautiful good, Yeah, which man, that is in itself a challenge. But Mm -hmm. if there's anyone that I know is up for it, it's you. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I think what I really want is, you know, I see myself in so many of the women that I'm helping right now. And so one of the things I really want is for the black women that I work with to get all of the healing Mm -hmm. that can be available to them and um, healing some of those racial wounds allows you to be fully who you are. Then finding out your Enneagram number helps you to appreciate yourself in a different way. Um, And then I can help you then show up in ways that you are interacting with people who don't look like you, but we're bringing that same level of empathy Mm -hmm. to the story that we want um, others to have toward us as well. And so when you see all of that happening together, um, I don't know, I just think, I think that's what it would look like for us to see a change happen in our country. Man, that would be awesome. So you keep at it. And I just hope everyone that's listening, listens to the podcast, engages with your material, points people to what you're doing because it's so needed. Um, it is it is such a, a challenging, can feel like a very dark world, but you bring such light and freshness and joy. And so I just, I'm just so thankful and so proud of the work that you're doing. So thank you so much. So, so keep going. Let us be your cheerleaders. Um, okay. I appreciate so, all you have done. Your your support and your cheering means more than you could ever know. When someone comes alongside, listens to your idea before you do it, and just says, "Go, go, go," you have no idea what that does. Oh, it's well, amazing. I mean, and I can still, I, I I can still see even right now, like this is just the beginning of what God is unfolding for you. And then the ripple effect that it's going to have on not just one group, but multiple groups around the country. So what you're doing is impactful. It's meaningful. It's, it's just, it's needed. Like that's the big thing. It's needed. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so good to see you. We'll have to go to the restaurant again. Unfortunately, yes. we don't remember its name, but we know exactly where it's at. Eating is my love language. So. <laughs> So we'll have to go out again here soon. Yes, let's do it. All right. Thanks. It's great seeing you. Thanks for having me. 
Wow. That was so much fun listening to Shanera. I hope that you guys will engage with her podcast, Brown Mama Bear, and go to her website, brownmamabear.com and shanerawilliamson.com. She is just such an incredible woman, a coach, a leader, a speaker, um, and MCer. So I hope that you guys will engage with her more. I'm so proud of her. Well, if you guys have found the Enneagram to be beneficial for you and you would like to help others just like her to help others with the Enneagram, then become a coach and get our free coaching mini course at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mini course to check it out. See what this is all about. But if you are like, man, I would love to work with Shanara, then hire her as your Enneagram coach. We also have lots of other coaches that you can find at myenneagramcoach.com. But remember, the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder because it's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. We'll see you next time on Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast.